Welcome back, Tommy. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, there's only so much of me you can handle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> Said none of us. <laughs> Said Carrie. <laughs> Uh, more than once. <laughs> yeah. Been missing this. That's right. Oh, we need to get you on the schedule. There you and go. a quicker turnaround time That's than last it. time. Well, Absolutely. We need yeah. to have Lori tell you where to go more often. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, between Carrie at home and Lori here, I don't even have to think. Do I? <laughs> Keep that in. Keep that in. It's so freeing. <laughs> What is that you say? Part battle, part blessing? Right. Does fall in that category? I don't uh, know. We'll let you be the. Be we'll let it's you speak good. into that. I'm struggling as to whether to leave that in or not. <laughs> but every once in a while, they'll both look at me and go, you're just not going to do that, are you? And I go, no, nope, really not. <laughs> Welcome to another Full Life Conversation. We are in a five-part series called Gratitude to Generosity, exploring how to live God-centered and generous lives through our time, our talents, and resources. It's been a while since he was with us last, but Asbury Church lead pastor Tommy Gray is back as we look deeper into what happens when we break out of a scarcity mindset and bring whatever we have to offer as a response and an act of worship because of who God is and what he's done in us. Tommy co-wrote this series with Carl Schoenholz, who joined us a few weeks back to kick off this series. So it's great to have Tommy back. Here's that conversation. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. Good to be back. And today we are talking about uh, the parable of the widow's might. For those of you who are joining in, life group leaders, thanks for joining in yes. and being a part of this, letting it help guide your conversations with your life groups. And once again, we got Tommy Gray in yeah. the room with us. Yay. Yes. Tommy's back. I'm surprised y'all remember me, but it's good to be here. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been a minute, as we like to say. Right. Yeah. It's been so long that I've got another grandchild since we've been together. Yeah. So what? That's right. So real life. Talking about so, real life. Yeah. That's good. I, I know, I know everybody for, want to know that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Willow uh, Reese. Willow Reese. Wow. Okay. A little over a month old. Congratulations. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of, tell us what's going on these days in the world of Tommy. Yeah, I think that's the, the big thing. A lot of family stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Carrie and I took a week off last week. And the whole week was just family stuff, taking care of some things with her dad, who's in assisted living now, and um, then spent one day uh, driving down to Clanton, Alabama, which is where uh, my son and his family lives. So spent a day with Willow Reese, and Mm. then the next day, spent the day in Aniana, Alabama with the daughter and her family and the three grandkids, and they're cheering, and so went to a football game and saw... I, you know, first football game I've ever gone to that I didn't watch much of the game. Watched my grandkids cheering, and they're Aww. great. They're amazing. It's <laughs> so a lot awesome. of family stuff. And then, you know, things are pretty exciting times here at the church as we've kind of come into a season where we're visioning forward and trying to figure out what the Lord has for us next. So that's good. But it uh, it's uh, demanding a level of discernment, so we're all moving into that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a good time, but plenty going on, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it is good to have you back on the podcast. We're talking about the widow's might, yeah, today, and so let's let's just dive in. Just kind of give us a, just kind of brief overview. Yeah, I think in the if I put it in context of the series we're in now, there at least 
two or three places in this series where the passages make it clear that Jesus notices someone or notices mm-hmm. something. Like there's one place where uh, a guy basically wants to know what it'll take to inherit eternal life. He's asking the right question. He's asking Jesus the right person, but he's misdirected because he, he says something like, what must I do? And then it says Jesus challenged him, but it also says he, he loved him. So I think for me, one of the things we begin to see, uh, and we see it again in this scripture, is that this particular passage starts this way. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd. Mm -hmm. I think that's the statement that grabbed my attention here. So why is Jesus watching the crowd? Is he like... Like, has he got a check mark going? Okay, okay, good. You put in you put in a lot, good. Why? And, and I think what we begin to see in this series is everything about our lives matters to God. Hmm. And God notices. And anytime God, let's say, figuratively puts his finger on a place in our life that calls for change, it's out of a heart of love and seeing us, truly seeing us. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting here and he's seeing people, I mean, people who had plenty of money throwing in gobs of money. And then this widow comes along and, and what she does is she gives everything. Her everything just happened to be small in a monetary amount, but it was everything. And so, you know, in this series, we're obviously looking at how we handle our money, but it's more than that. It's how we handle all that we've been entrusted with as stewards. You know, God's given us all these capacities to steward these things. And what we see in her is that she was willing to trust God with everything. And I think for me, as we were looking at these passages, those are the two things, I mean, the God of the universe sat down and watched people putting their offering in. Mm. Yeah. And I start going, well, ain't, ain't you got more important stuff to do? <laughs> <laughs> but there's something there. And he's not doing it so he can, in my opinion, he's not doing that so somehow he can, you know, point fingers at people. He's, he just cares how we handle our lives. Mm-hmm. And then he notices this widow who just said, couple of coins to throw in, but he, he took note of that. And he said, there, notice that. I mean, in all this that was happening, he said, notice that, mm. because she gave it all. Mm. She gave it all. And so that point of the Lord noticing and then really caring about our lives is what kind of began, began to capture my attention about this passage. And I, and I don't know, I've been doing this 40 plus years, but I don't remember ever preaching on this passage before. Mm. I may have, you know, but I, it's just not something that I've preached on a lot. But that's what drew me into the passage, that Jesus mm. sat down and noticed. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that says a lot about, obviously, you know, you, you say you've never taught on this. I don't believe that. <laughs> it may be true. Um, considering how long you've been doing this. But it also says just how alive the Word of God Absolutely. is. Yeah. 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 And how, how <laughs> you're seeing something new this time around. Mm-hmm. When I read, she gave everything, 
you know, I think about myself included, who, what would you say to the person who's struggling with generosity just in general and giving and tithing and all the, all those things? What would you say to the person who might think, well, that was irresponsible for her to just give everything she had to dispute what she did? Yeah, I think a couple of things. One is underneath this idea of God noticing and seeing, we begin to realize that what um, what's being driven at every time, it seems to me, is is the heart. Mm-hmm. It, it's not so much the amount, although we could get into a conversation around tithing and amounts and all yeah. that. But I, but there's a place in Scripture where you know Jesus says, "Hey, go give everything and follow me." And then right after that, somebody gets so transformed by Jesus, he gives half of everything away, and Jesus says, "You've done well." Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's not so much formulaic, it's a matter of the heart. Mm-hmm. And while I, yeah, I mean, if we got in, if this were a seminary classroom, we <laughs> could get into, you know, tithing and all these things. But I think the deeper core message is everything about our lives, including how we handle money, is a window to our soul or a window mm-hmm. to our heart mm-hmm. and a window to where we really place our trust. Mm-hmm. And and one could argue it was somewhat, quote unquote, irresponsible of yeah. her. However, it showed very clearly where she placed her trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the question for all of us. Where where do I place my trust? Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, is it is it in me? Is it in my resources? Or do I really trust the Lord fully mm-hmm. with my life? So to me, that's kind of how we this it's a matter of the heart kind of develops yeah. here because that's really what's being driven at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, yeah. I mean, again, you're, you're you're talking about whose plan are you living? Whose plan is guiding your life? Your plan? If you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plan. <laughs> this also makes me think about when Jesus said, um, where your treasure is, there's there where your heart is also, you know, and just that idea of, what we value, where we place our trust, is in it points to the the state of our heart, mm-hmm. so to speak. When we're when we'll be listening to this uh, after it drops, it'll be starting the second week in our twenty one days of prayer. So the prayer that we'll be focusing on for the days eight through fourteen will be God transform my heart, and uh, that is just such an ongoing work, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's not a we say sometimes it's not a one and done, like this whole sanctification journey is a, is a process of transformation. And over time, it does reveal the mm-hmm. place of our heart. And Tommy, I appreciate how you said it's like the Lord, there's a place in our heart he touches that we, he draws attention to that, mm-hmm. but it's always motivated from his heart of love for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what I would say for somebody who's listening, thinking, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Well, join the club. None of us are, (laughs) but, but we are all on this journey and because of God's grace and the power of his spirit that continues to work in us, transformation is possible. Yeah. Um, but, but it is all motivated and fueled by his love for us. And I think that that needs to be something we 
are reminded of, you know, that's, it's not about doing, it's not about any of that. It's not about striving or white knuckling or anything like that. It's about, Hey, how God, I want you to continue to come in and transform my heart in all areas. Mm. One of the things that stands out to me in this passage after, and we see this, we see this with the rich young ruler as well. And in other places after Jesus sat down and watched and then uh, the widow came forward and put in her her two small copper coins, is what the NIV says. Then he called the disciples to him. And I love how Jesus is continually teaching along yep, the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like he is present mm-hmm. and he is noticing what's going on. And it is always a real-time opportunity mm-hmm. to to share, hey, disciple, like this is what it looks like. Yeah. And for us in our lives, I think as disciples of Jesus, we have to really have a very clear understanding of what Jesus did and who Jesus is. So we have those teachable moments for ourselves. And then as we are talking about discipleship uh, with others, then then that's something that we can model as well. That's something that stands yeah. out to me. He called his disciples to him. Yeah. And he gave them an opportunity to connect what had just happened with what he was doing. And then I think that kind of harkens back to the transformation of our own hearts, this this discipleship journey that we're on. Yeah. Chris, I bet they never forgot that. Like, yeah. I bet when they're in the temple in the future, seeing people give their gifts, I bet they remembered that. Yeah. Jesus pulling them aside and saying, hey, wa- watch this. I want to tell you something about this. Like, they probably never forgot those moments where we yeah. would kind of coach mm-hmm. them. I think it's, a, it's really interesting, too, that you see this widow before the crucifixion, God stopping at nothing. Mm-hmm to give for God so loved the world that he gave mm-hmm. and, and by giving Jesus his son mm-hmm. and how interesting it is. He's teaching the disciples of this widow who's stopping at nothing to show her love for God, giving everything, stopping in that moment. And what a teachable moment this is for the mm-hmm. disciples, you know, yeah. hey guys come check this out. And, and you are right, Nathan, that I mean, the entire Christian journey is a response to that one yeah. act of God giving everything. Tommy, I think it's interesting. You talked about like this story being about the heart, which really makes sense with our series. And you know, this is about the heart and the widow giving everything was a sign that her heart was in the right place, which is interesting because then you also mentioned the rich young ruler earlier. And in that case, his heart was not in the right place. And Jesus told him to give everything that it might be in the right place. I think that's very maybe characteristic of discipleship that sometimes, you know, we want to be at a place where we're doing the right actions because our heart is right. But then there's also part of discipleship that's my heart's not right. So I'm going to do certain actions or certain disciplines to help my heart get in the right place. Mm. So maybe we offer that to somebody who's listening that says, hey, um, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we say, hey, there's sometimes where you won't be there yet yeah. until you do it. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's part of discipleship that's that way. That's like, hey, Gary, you're not going to have that part of your heart cultivated until you step in obedience. And yeah. sometimes your heart's going to follow your feet. And I think discipleship's knowing which of those two spots you're in. Mm-hmm. Is this the time just to let your heart bear fruit and just what comes out's good because your heart's right? Or is this, you, know, you need to get the right heart. So you need to give everything and I think it's true of every spiritual discipline, but especially of like tithing and giving. Um, There's a band called Dogs of Peace uh, from the 90s. Um, Did you say dogs? Dogs of Peace. Wow, this is new. And one of my favorite Christian rock 
bands, you know, <laughs> and just from that nineties era, you know, DC talk and uh, all this. But anyway, one of the songs that they had was called, I will see it when I believe it. You won't experience it until you actually just step out. Mm-hmm. It ties into some of the things like Chris of the passage you referred to about where your treasure is there, your heart will be. And I often read that and I go, well, that's just the opposite mm-hmm. of what I think it should be. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. where like, like my heart is with my grandkids, so I get in the car and drive to where they are. Yeah. Uh, and and yet, it also echoes kind of what you're saying, Gary. It's this idea of it's often been said something like this when it comes to spiritual disciplines: they are duty or their discipline before their delight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's something in living that out. And I was just, um, I was reminded of a, a quote. I looked it up on my phone as we were sitting here to make sure I got it right. But Jim Elliott, the missionary who laid his life down trying to reach unreached people, he's famous for this quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of the reality of our stewardship of life is a recognition of what is most real. Mm-hmm. And what is most real is eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But what seems most real to us is the here and now because right. we can yeah. touch right. it. Yeah. Like the chair I'm sitting in is pretty real to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But heaven, you know, and somehow these disciplines and somehow placing our treasure in the right place does help our heart go to believing something that we may not see perfectly now is the most real. Mm-hmm. And it's the place that we want to invest the most of our life in total. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that so much of discipleship is just learning to do that. Yeah. Just to mm-hmm. live out of the most real, not what seems the most real. There's a little book called Inside. The Treasure Principle, and yeah, that's one of the things it talks about is he, he's got a quote in there, um, something along the lines of, uh, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Mm. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, it really, there, there are a number of mental shifts that I've had to make in my life. For example, I've had to shift from owner to steward. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I've, okay, I, I, I work hard for this. This is mine. No, the Lord's blessed me with this. And I've had to make that mental shift of what's most real. I mean, I, I've, told in sermons before, I'm I'm an only child, and when I was growing up, my mother would look at me sometimes and say, Tommy, you've never lacked for something you want. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm always, in general in life, I'm forward-focused, and some of that's good. Sometimes I see stuff, maybe, before everybody sees it. Some of it's really bad, because you don't get just comfortable and satisfied in the present. And so I've had to make these shifts. What's most real, what I can touch today or what I know is going to be true in the future. And so those mental shifts, I think, become heart shifts. Hmm. And as my heart changes, I do become more and more like the Lord would want me to be. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of that journey left to live, but hmm. but those are the shifts that are have happened and are happening in my own life. Hmm. I think it can be encouraging to somebody listening that maybe wants to grow in anything we're talking about in this series, any spiritual discipline, if it's giving, if it's, you know, 
uh, giving your time to your life group. I mean, if it's financial, you know, whatever, I think it's encouraging just to tell them that, you know, the four of us have had and still have parts of our walk with God that we were doing not out of delight, but out mm-hmm. of discipline or out of duty that have since become more delightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can think of that in my life with Bible reading, um, totally different topic, but I think of times where that was not at all a delight and it was a duty. And after the years, the spirit began to make it a delight. So we just speak that over anybody listening that if you're saying, man, I, I want to do these things, but it's just, it's duty for me right now. We're going to pray that as you do it, he'll give you that delight. It'll give you that heart uh, yearning, um, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. One of the aspects in recovery ministries or 12-step recovery programs, even one-on-one counseling, is there is an aspect where um, it becomes really, really important that you do something for someone else. It's part of the the transforming journey um, for you at the at the end of the the twelfth step. It talks about you know as a result of having had this spiritual awakening. Now I'm basically going to go and share this message with others in Celebrate Recovery and other recovery ministries. There there is a place for people to get involved and serve because they know that they're a part of community, and we know because we have been given much. Uh, that we want to give that back. And so that in and of itself is a muscle, I think, um, that spiritual disciplines help mm-hmm. build. And we we know how it feels when we give of our time or our resources or um, our energy or, or whatever that is, the gifts that God has given us. It is, is something that resonates with us, um, I think, because he wired us to be able to experience that. And so I would say, too, as we have this conversation you know, heading into a season of gifts of hope and uh, what it means to pray for our neighbors, what it means to be really attuned to people who we may encounter in a season coming up uh, where where others may be more receptive to the message of Jesus. Like, how are we giving of ourselves and our time to stop, slow down and really notice and see other people as Jesus did and, and take that opportunity to share because it is something that we're called to do, but it is something we just receive such rich blessings from when we do that too. Yeah. And that's part of the the beautiful economy and the kingdom too, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. As you were sharing that, Chris, I, my mind went to an interesting place. A uh, number of years ago, um, when my dad was 64 years old, he passed away with cancer. Mm. Little little did we know that at that same time, my mother's twin sister had the exact same cancer, and six months later, she passed away. Mm. And, and my mother, I remember after that, looked at me and said, people don't usually understand, or people wouldn't probably understand, but your spouse is like half of you, and if you're a twin, your twin's like half of you. And she said, I don't even feel like I exist right now. Wow. Mm. Wow. She said, I just don't know how to even think about living now. Wow. And and she came and stayed at my house for a while. I was terrified it was going to be forever. But, you know, (laughs) (laughs) she was like, I don't know how I'm going to live by myself. Anyway, she finally, she just got up one day and she said, I know what I'm going to do. And I said, what are you going to do? And she said, I'm going home 
and I'm going to begin going every day to see other people that I know have lost spouses, and I'm going to visit with them every day. Wow. And she did that, and it was that act That's great. that mm. brought her back into life. <sighs> and when you were saying that, it was just amazing. My mind just went to my mother and thinking, for her, what gave her life back Yeah. really was in giving to others. Yeah even out of a place of her own loss and all. And, and, you know, she lived, you know, another 15 plus years, but she lived out of that place of serving and wow. giving to others. And who knows how many people she impacted by doing that. And who knows if other people that she did that with said, hey, I can do that too. Yeah. It's like this ripple effect yeah. that continues to, to give. That's a beautiful story, Tommy. Yeah. And yeah. In a sense, uh, and I hadn't thought about it till you were doing it, but in a sense, that was her widow's month. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. She that's was right. living on a very fixed income, and yeah. now my dad was gone. Uh, not wow. that she didn't have anything, but she had a very limited income, and mm-hmm. she managed it well, and she was fine. Mm-hmm. But what she could do is offer that. That's awesome. Wow. And it, and it, wow. Gave her life back, which was the cool thing, like what you were saying. I think it's important, too, because we see that, as you're sharing that story, Tommy, we know other people, The certainly this this widow mentioned here, we all have something. Mm -hmm. We all have something. It looks different. And the amounts of time or energy or money and all that may look different, but the principle is the same. Our hearts are transformed when we give and we all have something to give because look at our generous God who's given so much to us. How could we withhold that? You know, whatever that is. And I would just encourage whoever may be listening, maybe, maybe you bought into the lie that you really don't have much to give but we all have something to give. And I think this story is a great reminder of that. Uh, Tommy, you talking about your mom spending the last 15 years of her life that way. It just made me think of a time that our family was going through a difficult season financially. And um, there were just a number of people God brought to us that were just really generous, that gave. And it's just interesting that um, that was one of the things for my parents that impacted their philosophy of finances that uh, up until that point, they had given 10% and tied to the church. But they said, you know what, in addition to that, we want to start setting aside this extra percent just to give to somebody in need. And I just think that's a, seeing that practical step was really, really powerful for me as a young person going, yeah. wow. Um, they said, I want to consistently set aside a percent for anybody in need. And that was just a huge, huge thing I saw God use like over and over again to bless a lot of people. And um, something I think a lot of us could model and do our yeah. life similarly. Well, why don't we just close and pray for our listener who may or may not be struggling with generosity of whatever that is, not just finances, or for those who are, you know, just looking for that opportunity to say, you know, I want to give this so it helps this person who might be dealing with struggling uh, or, uh, you know, whatever that might look like just for wisdom, for God to reveal that to them. Tommy, can you pray for us? Sure, absolutely. Lord, we're mindful that we um, we see through a glass darkly, so even right now we can't imagine 
all the different places people may be in their lives right mm-hmm. now, and even their responses to a conversation like this. But you can. You see perfectly. You're all-knowing in all places. So, Lord, whatever the need is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in anyone's life, we know based on the Scripture we've been looking at that you see that. Yeah. And you see it not from a um, judgmental place, but you see it through a heart of compassion because you want the most for all of our lives. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Lord, all of these areas matter, how we handle our prayer life, how we handle the reading of Scripture, how we serve other people, how we give. All of these things really are a window to our heart and our soul. Mm -hmm. And they're a testimony to where we place our trust. So, Lord, would you draw us all closer uh, to you? Mm -hmm. And may our heart be more closely linked to your heart, more purified. And may we be people who live from a place of gratitude that you did. Uh, You gave your son. Yeah. You held nothing back. Mm. And from a place of incredible gratitude, may we become more and more generous in all aspects of our lives. First of all, to your glory, to the benefit of your kingdom, and even to the very tangible benefit of people that stand in need, whatever that may be. And Lord, thank you for meeting us here in this conversation today. And thank you for how you're going to use it in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. And we pray in in the name of Jesus, Uh, we offer this prayer in his name. Amen. 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 Many thanks to Tommy for joining us again. As always, you can send any thoughts or questions for us to podcast at weareasbury.com. Please share this or any episode on social media or just text it to a friend. We hope this will spark conversation with those in your circle. Thanks again for joining us as we live real life with each other, full life with God, and kingdom life on earth. See you next time.